What's up, everybody? I'm Bernard, one of your Asian best friends, and this is Asians in the News. We're in the first half of May 2023. MLB sensation Shohei Otani will be a free agent at the end of this baseball season, which means the 29-year-old superstar is poised to sign what many predict will be the biggest contract in the league's history. Per the LA Times, MLB agents and executives estimate the bidding war for Otani could ratchet his prospective contract up to $600 million over 12 years. ESPN recently pulled 26 MLB agents, executives, and insiders as, insiders as well to get their estimates. And similarly, the higher-end projections topped out at $600 million, while the average responses hung around 500 to $550 million. The current contract record holder is Otani's Los Angeles Angels teammate Mike Trout, whose current 12-year $426.5 million deal, which is record-breaking in itself, would somehow pale in comparison to Otani's potentially $500 million-plus deal should the bidding war for the Japanese superstar services play out as they're projected to. Otani is one of the best two-way MLB players in the sport today, breaking decades-old records with seemingly every outing. His accolades are endless, and he's just entering his prime. I don't follow baseball myself, but to see an Asian with his foot on the neck of an entire sport here in North America is enough to make me consider investing some time in watching the sport, or at the very least, watching the great Shohei Otani. Vanessa Hudgens is shooting a travel documentary following her as she visits the Philippines to connect with her Filipino roots. The high school musical actress is half Filipina, and her mother, who immigrated to the U.S. from the Philippines when she was 25 years old, will also be featured in the documentary along with Hudgens' sister. During a recent press conference in Manila, Hudgens said, quote, I was definitely raised very American, except for all the rice and adobo and pancit. Uh, I might argue that Filipino food and being American aren't mutually exclusive, but that's a different conversation for a different time. Um, at the press conference, Hudgens continued, I'm 30 now. I'm thinking about raising a family, and I want to be able to know my heritage so that I can bring that forth, so that my kids can know their backgrounds, and they can know more about their own blood. Hudgens describes the documentary as, quote, a really intimate look at my experience being in the Philippines for the first time, really discovering this beautiful land and the wonderful people, and just really getting in touch with the piece of myself that has always been there, but I've never known intimately. On March 30th, Hudgens was appointed as the Philippines' global tourism ambassador by President Ferdinand Marcos Jr., news that has been met with mixed reactions online. While some are excited by Hudgens' appointment, certain Filipinos want nothing to do with Hudgens. A TikTok by Beyonce Pad Thighs has gone quasi-viral in the wake of Hudgens' appointment, with the TikToker shitting on the news, saying, quote, It's just the fact that this is her first trip to the Philippines. She's been rich and famous for a minute. How long has it been since High School Musical came out? People forgot that she was half Filipino. So the TikToker is suggesting here that Hudgens isn't worthy of the title because she's not Filipino enough, or because she's uh, getting in touch with her roots to, too late in life. My take is that uh, if the idea is to promote tourism to the Philippines, uh, to people who have never been or seldom go, it's probably not a terrible move to appoint someone who has just recently gone to the Philippines for the first time themselves and had a life-changing experience and is promoting that experience to her millions and millions of fans. The goal here is to attract new people to the country, not pander to Filipinos who already travel there regularly.
Like, like if you appointed someone like, say, uh, Manny Pacquiao or another quote unquote real Filipino, like Liza Soberano, nobody outside of our community is going to care about any of that. And I know what you're thinking. Who the fuck is Liza Soberano? I'll tell you who she is. I googled most famous Filipino celebrities, and she was the first result. And no one, including me, knows who the hell Liza Soberano is. But she's Filipino-American, and she did live in Manila for many years, so she's evidently legit by this TikToker standards. She's a real Filipino, as opposed to Vanessa Hudgens, so... I guess we should make her the tourism ambassador over Vanessa Hudgens, Liza Soberano. Um, I don't get the thinking there, but I understand that um, a lot of Filipinos feel that Hudgens is being insincere. So time will tell if this was a good move or not by the Filipino government. Michelle Zahner, a.k.a. Japanese Breakfast, scintillating, incisive, ravishing memoir that Taylor and I love and cherish so much, crying in H-Mart, is being adapted to film and will be directed by The White Lotus's Will Sharp. The novel largely centers on the complexities of Zahner's relationship to her Korean mother who died from cancer in 2014. It's uh, such a vivid depiction of life as an Asian American. It's full of specificities and anecdotes that resonate with me as a second-generation immigrant, but also, you know, as just a human being, um, Sharp, he's best known for his turn as Ethan in The White Lotus, but he's also written and directed some stuff here and there, like HBO's Landscapers and uh, the British series Flowers. I ha haven't seen any of that stuff, but I, I liked him in The White Lotus. Uh, he's half Japanese, and Zahner is writing the screenplay and working closely with him, so I'm sure he understands the material inside and out. This is all around fantastic news, and you can be sure that We'll be keeping an eye on this project for the foreseeable future on this show. Could this, could this movie be the next everything, everywhere, all at once? Time will tell. Our next story comes at the request of listener and friend of the show, Justin. Thank you so much for the tip, Justin. This story is also about another Justin, <laughs> but not our listener friend, Justin. Justin Jones an Oakland native who serves as a member of the Tennessee House of Representatives, was expelled, relieved of his position, when he and two colleagues stormed the House floor and interrupted a legislative session, chanting no justice, no peace, in a protest for stricter gun control laws. This happened just days after a mass shooter at a Nashville school shot and killed three students and three adults. The House Speaker deemed Jones and his colleagues' actions, quote, against House rules which led to his expulsion. Subsequently, on April 10th, the House unanimously voted to reinstate Jones, and he was re-sworn in amid a sea of supporters, wearing a crispy white suit, holding one fist in the air triumphantly on the same floor he was unjustly expelled from. This is a compelling news story in its own right, but the angle here, the reason we're mentioning this story on Asians in the News, is that Jones who's been an exceedingly vocal activist for years and has been covered many times in local and mainstream media, is almost always referred to in headlines as a black activist. The reality is he's half Filipino and nobody ever mentions it. I was actually not familiar with Jones prior to our friend Justin's tip. So when Justin explained to me that 
he was half Pinoy. I then looked at Jones's photo and I laughed because this guy looks so goddamn Filipino. He's, he's, he's very Filipino looking. Um, and his full name is Justin Bautista Jones, which is a very Filipino name as well. But in the articles I found in my research, I almost always saw him listed as Justin Jones, black activist. Now, I don't mean to diminish uh, the guy's blackness whatsoever. My qualm here is with the fact that Clearly, the media doesn't find his Filipino heritage interesting or sexy enough to mention in headlines, which is yet another form of subtle Asian erasure that's been undermining the accomplishments of our people in this country for generations. And it continues to this day. Um, Stay frosty and don't let the media pull the wool over your eyes. Simu Liu recently got in a social media spat regarding a Huffington Post article titled, We Love Simu Liu but he's not the only talented Asian thirst trap in Hollywood. The, the article, written by Ian Kumamoto, suggests that Liu is hogging all of the Asian male roles in Hollywood and that the spotlight should be shown on other Asian male actors as well. An excerpt from the article reads, Don't get us wrong. We love Liu and we're all for an Asian king thriving. But when a single actor appears to be getting the bulk of Asian male roles in Hollywood, it starts to feel a little less like representation and a lot more like tokenism. All we're saying is, we don't want a predominantly white Hollywood to gatekeep sexy Asian male representation like it has for decades when there are so many other attractive and talented Asian men who deserve to be seen and appreciated by the general public. On Facebook, Liu commented on a post linking to the article, writing, quote, Way to attempt to put us against one another. What quote-unquote bulk of roles are you referring to? Are there movies I'm in that I'm not aware of? Do you really think there's a quota of Asian male roles that is a zero-sum game? Everything I have taken post-Shang-Chi was not written Asian. We've been able to reshape stories to get more representation on screen. Get your facts straight. Liu also made a Facebook post with a screenshot of his original comment, adding, quote, The trashest take by HuffBo. I'm also not a thirst trap. I'm a fucking actor. Saucy. As a journalist myself, I know how hard it is to come up with original angles when commenting on the entertainment industry. And I've definitely had some bad takes in my past, but this one is really nonsensical to me. I don't get the sense that Simu's skyrocketing career is impeding other Asian male actors from finding success at all. If anything, Liu's pop- popularity is breaking down doors for his peers and setting a precedent that an Asian guy can be a pop culture megastar so that we'll see more Asian guys follow suit. It sounds to me like Kumamoto is getting a little tired of Liu and his continued success as a Hollywood elite, which is understandable and completely fair. I'm a little tired of Simu myself, in all honesty, but the idea that his mega success is getting in the way of other attractive Asian men in Hollywood is completely backwards to me. And I can definitely understand why Simu is so upset at the article positing that his career could in any way be defined as tokenism. John Howe, a 20 year old Chinese international student and survivor of a Michigan State University shooting on February 13th of this year, was personally invited by Philadelphia 76ers star James Harden to watch Game 4 of the team's NBA semifinal playoff series against the Boston Celtics at Philadelphia's Wells Fargo Center on May 7th. 
Howe was one of five students injured in the mass shooting in February and took a bullet to the spine, which severed a nerve and paralyzed him from the chest down. When Hardin learned of the tragedy and was told that Howe was a fan, he visited Howe while he was doing rehab and promised that he'd host him at a Sixers game once he was cleared to leave the rehab facility. Hardin kept his promise and had Howe and his family sat courtside for the big game in which Hardin put on a career-defining performance, scoring 42 points and sinking a three-point dagger in the final moments of overtime to help secure the win for the Sixers, tying the series at 2-2. Two and two. In a post-game interview, Harden dedicated his performance to Howe, saying, quote, He gave me good luck. He brought me good vibes, good energy. Really, this game is for him. Harden then met with Howe and signed and gifted him his game-worn sneakers and told him, quote, You're the good luck charm. For real, I just kept thinking about you. Harden then proceeded to invite Howe to, quote, Every game from here on out. Stories like this are obviously powerful and help instill empathy in others, which I think is as important now as it's ever been in this country's history. A lot of our news media is absolutely plagued by cynicism, rage, and hopelessness. So it's really inspiring to see a story like this make national headlines and go viral on social media. Now, please don't misconstrue what I'm about to say. I'm fully aware that this story is about James Harden and John Howe, these two human beings who forged a beautiful bond in the wake of tragedy, but there is an ambient tension between the black and Asian communities in this country that isn't covered much in mainstream media. This story about Hardin and how isn't about that friction at all, but in a cultural and sociopolitical landscape in which the tension between black and Asian communities does exist, I believe seeing these two men share such a loving connection does mean something in that context. I think it actually helps that conversation and contributes to healing, which is a poignant underpinning of what is a moving story on its own. That's Asians in the News. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it right now. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram. I'm Bernard, and I am one of your Asian best friends. (laughs) 